Welcome to RealtyCast Global, where we bring insights and advice from top professionals in the global market. Join us for a journey of culture and real estate from countries across the globe. My guest today is Uli Leib, an accomplished international relocation professional. Ms. Leib is from Austria and has traveled extensively throughout Europe. She currently resides in the skylines of the Chicago area. She specializes in cultural training, international relocation management, business development initiatives, and real estate consulting. Most recently, she has been working as an independent destination consultant and intercultural coach for international families moving to the Chicago area. Uli, welcome to the show. I appreciate you joining us this morning. So we'll jump right, right into the questions, and I want to ask one that some people may not understand or may want to understand better, and it's can you give us some general background about corporate international relocation, and why do companies send employees to an overseas location? All right, well, thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Most uh, corporations uh, with uh, worldwide locations transfer employees between different countries. And the reason for sending someone to a different country, uh, there can be many reasons. So an, one example would be um, a short-term project-based assignment. People, uh, let's say, for example, an oil company starts drilling in a new location they need a lot of employees there, so they bring them from another location, maybe where they just ended drilling. Uh, they may start a new uh, operation in a country, like for example, a U.S. company uh, starts up a factory in China, uh, so they will send some leadership over there to hire local employees and train them. Or you know, uh, Toyota, for example, opens a, a factory here in the U.S. They will send some folks uh, in leadership roles from Japan over here to uh, hire people and train them. Could be technical needs like uh, Silicon Valley, high tech companies can't find the talent here or they need to bring in from overseas. And sometimes it's talent development. That means that the company has a very high potential employee. Um, they may bring him from overseas to their headquarters in the U.S or um, they may send a U.S. employee somewhere overseas to give them that international experience to help them step up the ladder to their new role. For how long do those employees typically stay in host countries? Well, you know, it really depends on the need and the type of assignment. So uh, if you have, for example, the oil company that's gonna send people for drilling, they might go there for three months and live there and then three months on, three months off because it's it's usually sort of a hardship location. If we're talking a more traditional international assignment, it could be short term. Anything less than a year is considered short term. And, uh, and then there could be a, a long term international assignment. And that's typically somewhere between two and five years. Um, and... Um, those are sort of different, or it could be a permanent transfer altogether. Uh, so I, you know, I work with the oil company. I did a lot of work for an oil company previously, and they usually did a lot of those rotational assignments, three months on, three months off. 
What do companies offer their employees to entice them to move to a different country? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it does depend on the type of assignment and also on the level of the employee within the company, if they're very high level or, or just a, you know, entry level uh, employee. Uh, but it often means uh, a raise and a promotion or, you know, a raise or a promotion or both. And, um, and then in addition to that, companies always want to cover any costs that are involved in moving that employee and sometimes the family uh, to the overseas location. And so, for example, if somebody goes just for a year short term, they may just treat them like a business traveler and pay for the uh, hotel, reimburse for the hotel, reimburse for a rental car, and um, you know, pay them a per diem for um, for their meals or whatever. But if you're talking about an upper management level employee that's going for three to five years, bringing the family, those uh, inter those benefits can be really, really uh, comprehensive. Uh, and in that case, the employer often has an agreement with a relocation management company to sort of manage the whole process uh, and uh, also track costs. Uli, can you give examples of some of these benefits you're talking about? Yes. So for, uh, for example, everybody would get uh, immigration assistance that is typically provided by an international law firm that... Uh, specializes in immigration and they would handle things like uh, you know the visas and the work permits for those employees so they can be legally staying in the new country and employed in the new country. They will almost everybody will also get tax assistance. Uh, you know if you're paying income taxes potentially in more than one country and all your benefits for the move are being taxed, it gets really, really complicated. So they all get uh, assistance of a tax firm. But then other benefits will really depend on um, the type of assignment. So let's say a, a long-term international assignment, uh, people will often get um, a house hunting trip. That means they will pay for the whole family to go to the new location, uh, stay for maybe a week, take a look at areas, neighborhoods, you know, it's also called a recon or a look-see trip sometimes. Um, then, then uh, you know, there's the move of the household goods. Uh, and typically, employees get um, a small shipment of their personal belongings, clothing, computers, that type of thing. That is an air shipment because they will need that right away. But then furniture and everything else is shipped uh, surface, which can be with a boat or, or with a truck, depending on where they're going to and from. And that is extremely expensive. And it can also take a really long time because of customs and, you know, so forth. So, um, so sometimes companies, rather than paying for the shipment of the furniture, We'll just give the employee a one-time lump sum of money and say, you use that and buy some new furniture in a new location. Um, they will some often get temporary housing in a furnished apartment, uh, either if they haven't found a home yet when they first get here, or and then also, you know, if their if their furniture hasn't arrived yet.
And then some additional benefits could include um, a relocation allowance. That's like a one-time sum of money to cover any miscellaneous expenses that might come up. Um, monthly cost of living allowance. If the host country cost of living is higher than in the home country, that could be a hardship allowance if uh, to sweeten the pot for somebody who's going to a, you know, desert or whatever. Um, for um, there is some there is often a rental allowance to cover the uh, families or the employees' rent. They will get a rental car. They will get uh, the costs for the family to travel here for their final move. Sometimes to even go back home uh, once a year, or whatever. Uh, private school tuition for the kids, if that's necessary, language training, cultural training. So it can be just numerous and, and they, those expenses really add up. So, um, and then destination services. And that's what, uh, that's the type of support that helps the assignee find a permanent home, uh, schooling for the kids and get settled into the new area. And that's what I've been doing for the last few years. I've been providing destination assistance to folks coming to the Chicago area. And so that I would do an area tour to familiarize them with different neighborhoods. Uh, we talk about schools and then maybe tour some different schools, private versus public. And then the whole settling in process, which would include, you know, getting your uh, applying for a social security number for your driver's license, opening a bank account, um, getting hooked up uh, with local groups to get settled into the community, find out about uh, um, the hospitals and, and so forth. And then obviously the rental assistance where I've helped them find a long-term rental. If it's a family, they always will want a single family to rent a single family home uh, and negotiate a long-term lease. Usually I do that with the help of a local real estate agent. Um, and then help them, you know, get connected with utilities and uh, renters insurance, and then we'll do a move in um, condition of the inventory, uh, inventory the, the condition of the property at move in, which basically then uh, they have proof to show when they move back out what condition the property was in. Um, so they get their security deposit. Usually, what about uh, <clears throat> when you have a when you have a client moving? to a location and it's more of a long-term job they're looking at or looking to, to transfer to, do they um, typically buy a home or lease a home? Well, about 90, 90 plus percent will end up renting a home or leasing a home. Uh, employees who move permanently to a, a new country. So uh, they plan then on just staying there and becoming localized, that is called in the um, relocation lingo. Uh, they will sometimes rent for the first year and then buy a home. But most of them come for, you know, a shorter time period, like three years or five years. And the companies really don't want them to buy a home because one, buying the, all the closing costs and then again, having to sell and all that is just a very cumbersome process. So they typically want them to rent and they would reimburse them for often give them a rental allowance, which is designed to reimburse them for the cost of the rent. 
um, so 90, 90 some percent above rent. And so the lease itself then can be either in the employee's name and then the employee makes the payments and the company reimburses them, or it could be in the company name too. And the company actually then makes the payments or the relocation company makes the payments and a company representative would sign the lease. But whether it's a it's a corporate lease or the employee signs the lease, the companies usually want to protect themselves in case they transfer this employee again during the term of the lease. And so they always want a diplomatic clause uh, inserted or be part of that lease. And the diploma diplomatic clause stipulates that they could break the lease without penalty in case they get transferred again during the term of the during the term of the lease. In the negotiation process, do you find that difficult to to uh, have the the landlord accept that that clause? Well, if if, if it's a you know if the market uh, if there's very limited uh, inventory and there's a lot of demand, it's really challenging. So, but I would try to negotiate a compromise. For example, the diplomatic clause could be effective after the first year of the rent, or after the first year of the lease, or uh, or they could have to pay a two month or three month penalty in order to break the lease. The companies just don't wanna be on the hook for two years or three years of uh, payments. I, I can understand that completely. Um, in, in looking at your experience, I know you've, you've worked with many, many clients. Does one, client or one case study stick out in your mind that you could share with us briefly? Um, yeah, yeah. A, a, a good one would be, um, a good example would be a family that I helped here uh, to come to the Chicago area last year. Uh, they moved from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, his name was Eduardo. The employee was, uh, he was Eduardo. He was a high level vice president at a a uh, multinational company that was headquartered is headquartered in downtown Chicago. Uh, and then his wife, Renee, was a stay-at-home mom. They had three kids, a five-year-old uh, girl, and then two boys, 10 and 12. And um, they came for a uh, five-day house hunting trip in July of last year. The goal was to rent something for August occupancy. Um, and they wanted to, um, so the kids could start school right away, you know, they wanted to look at different areas to find a house to rent, uh, and the biggest considerations were, and those are always, the, the biggest consideration is typically the school. So that was number one on the list, and then the other really big one was, uh, he didn't want to have a long commute, 20 minutes, you know, on the train was sort of his target. Uh, or, you know, 30 minutes or less. I got them to go up to 30 minutes. And they wanted to be in the near west suburbs. Um, um, they wanted to find a house for rent uh, within, um, with at least start date in mid-August. Uh, so the kids could start. And then there was a $6,000 a month budget. Um, so I contacted a real estate agent that I usually work with. And there were actually quite a few homes for rent at that time. 
that would fit in their uh, would fit their needs. And uh, on the second day, we found the perfect home, and it was in Elmhurst, which was which is a suburb, uh, really close uh, western suburb of Chicago. Twenty minute train ride to the city. The house was in walking distance to the school. Excellent school district. Really safe neighborhood. Um, and it was also in walking distance to the train station. So it was ideal. They were able to get a lease with the August, uh, mid-August start date. They went back home. The company then signed the lease, uh, processed all the payments, and uh, they went back home and packed up the kids, packed up the furniture, and they arrived in mid-August. And the company then decided to pay uh, for rental furniture so they could move into the house right away uh, until their furniture arrived three months down the road and the kids could uh, start school right away. So it was uh, every it was very, very complicated. Lots of little details about utilities and uh, that they couldn't hook up from Brazil and so forth. But it all worked out and it all ended well. So it was a it was a great story. And they're very happy. <laughs> So it, the, the whole process can be very complicated. It can be very complicated. You know, a lot of times, like their utilities, for example, they cannot uh, get, they have to show up in person to get uh, electricity hooked up in uh, if they don't have a social security number yet. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, medical records that the kids need for vaccinations and so forth for schools. Um, you know, it's just numerous, numerous things, but, um, but that's what I take care of to, you know, make sure because they don't know what they don't know. Uh, that's true. That's the true. Local processing. So what do you think real estate agents need to know to work effect effectively with international assignees? Well, um, you know, it's important to know one, they will, they are usually really, really good tenants and a very good credit risk, but they do not have um, US credit established. They do not have a social security number yet. Uh, they will apply for a social security number right away. But even if they already have it, there's nothing that will show up for a credit check or a background check. And if they don't have it yet, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't even be run. What they typically have is a letter from their employer that uh, verifies their employment and their income. They can show a visa that they are eligible to stay in the U.S. and to work here. Um, and their income is usually very um, substantial. Um, then they should also be aware that, you know, the lease uh, process is not always very straightforward. The company may want that uh, diplomatic clause in the lease. Uh, they usually do on a long-term uh, assignment. They may want longer-term lease because people don't want to move. Uh, if they're only here for three years, they want to have the kids in the same school and stay in the same home. Um, and then... If the company signs the lease, they could take a longer time for that to be processed, for a, a, a representative to actually sign off. Could take up to a week. Um, and then the initial payment could take um, up to a week too. And so, or, you know, depending on the situation. And so knowing that and then setting the right expectations with the landlord or with a listing agent, 
that is really, really critical. Uh, so for, to help it go smoother. So if you're a real estate agent or a broker and you want more business, either domestically or internationally from you know relocation services, how do you put yourself forward and pick up more business? So, um, you know, education uh, is really important to educate yourself what the special needs are uh, of these people. Um, you know, if it's a domestic uh, relocation, then uh, a lot of times those would be buyers. If it's an international relocation, uh, those folks would typically be renters. They may turn into buyers down the line if they move uh, permanently. Uh, so getting education, joining industry groups, for example, Employee Relocation Council uh, is a good uh, group to join. Uh, that has like all different types of relocation providers. Uh, and uh, their website is a worldwideerc.org. Um, you find lots of information there. Uh, really becoming an expert in your area is important, uh, you know, where you don't just know the housing market and prices, but you also know the schools, uh, the daycares, the uh, healthcare facilities, everything that somebody new to the area might need to know. If you're working with uh, people that come from an, in a different country, being aware of uh, cultural differences is important. You know, they may, they will not know what they do not know. And so, you know, sometimes anticipating some questions. Uh, and then uh, there may be language barriers. So, you know, it's also important that uh, folks use just uh, sort of straightforward language, don't use industry jargon, maybe ask clarifying questions to make sure they understood everything. Um, though, even though, you know, they're very, very intelligent people, but uh, there may be a little bit of a language barrier, so be aware of that. And then finding a local um, destination services consultant like me, um, you know, you can look on LinkedIn, for example, uh, to see if there's somebody and just contact them and say, you know, I would be happy to help you work with your clients. I always look for realtors that um, I can work with. Uh, so so that that's another way of um, of finding uh, finding that business and specializing in that business. Uli, you've given us a great deal of information today, and we really appreciate your wealth of knowledge and hope to have you back as a guest some other other day with Global Property Pros. Thanks again for everything, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining in on today's episode of RealtyCast Global. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes air. 